Welcome to Family Office Connections. I'm Edward Marshall, Managing Director at Boston Private. Today, we continue our series of discussions focused on the results of the Family Office Survey that we released recently. In that report, we asked over 200 Family Office executives to give us their thoughts on risk and threat matters that they face every single day. The results were illuminating and on one hand answered many questions, but on the other hand also posed some new ones and provided some unexpected insights into the risk management characteristics and behaviors uh, of those family offices and family offices in general. These findings certainly opened some new areas to evaluate and present some opportunities for both families and the advisors and vendors that work with them to address risk more effectively. My guest today is Deborah Nitka of Cone Rising. Uh, before we begin, Deborah, uh, please give us a little bit about yourself and specifically some background on your experience of working with family offices. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Excited to to be here and and continue to share some thought leadership. Um, I've been in the information space for about thirteen years now. Spend some time um, on the client side. Uh, being the, the person who's worried about how an organization might be using their data, misusing their data, uh, wondering who's got access to it, should they've got access to it, uh, moved on to help companies make some data-driven decisions. Really at the beginnings of you know, what we know now is big data. Um, and now I'm back on the side of, of, the, uh, of the proverbial table, helping organizations protect their information. And those, inform- those organizations could be you know, small, medium, large. Uh, my favorite space to play in those is, is the family office space because you're really truly working with folks that care about exactly how their information might truly impact the family organization as a whole. Great. All right, uh, let's, let's walk through two of the findings uh, that we discussed earlier, um, specifically the one around lack of, lack of COVID-19 readiness. I know this is something that you've discussed uh, about how your families have, were prepared for COVID-19 and things that you've been working with them uh, during this process. And maybe you can give us also some insights of what you're, what you're thinking about and positioning them for you know, resilience after uh, we get through this pandemic. Absolutely. Uh, we all know that hindsight is 2020. We can you know, always ask, what would we have done differently? And you know, why weren't we prepared? But the reality on the ground is we're here, we're in it, we're living the pandemic reality day in, day out, and we've still got organizations that we need to help keep secure. So the best laid, mo- most mature family offices might have had a really good amount of budget dedicated to cyber risk, to dealing with cybersecurity upfront, but it doesn't mean that small organizations that didn't have that forethought can't still work to se- secure uh, their environments or secure their technology and ultimately secure their technology assets. And it really starts with knowing what you know, knowing what you've got, knowing what you have there to protect because you can't protect what you don't know exists. Um, we recommend even now, even in, in the middle of the pandemic, and you know, we, we all hope that it ends very, very soon, um, it's never too late to perform an analysis of your current cybersecurity. If that's you know, your in-house services, if you're large enough to have the IT 
team sitting in-house. It could be the outsource resources that, that you rely upon um, to really make sure that it still jives with what your current working environment is. Is it still right size? Is it overly complex for your organization? That also means training your people uh, as folks are working differently. You, you really need to take that conscientious step to train the internal IT folks, um, to train the internal users. Um, phishing emails that were maybe more, a little more easily identified in yesteryear have gotten a lot more complex, a lot more fancy. Um, they're a lot more convincing now in COVID reality than they were. Uh, you can't just walk into your finance manager's office and say, hey, did you really send the email asking me to wire $100,000 uh, to a prince in Africa? That, that isn't the case anymore. Um, you're relying on this trust-based relationship that may or may not exist in reality. Um, the same thing goes to being able to identify what's critical to your organization critical applications, anything that's financially um, significant, anything that's holding a large amount of sensitive confidential information as it relates to the family. Uh, it's a really good time to make sure that all of your VPNs are up to snuff. How are folks that work for the family office able to access information assets? How is the family themselves uh, accessing information um, on an ongoing basis? And that also means enhancing your monitoring. Make sure that there's an ability to detect anomalous behavior early, make sure that you're able to remediate anything that seems out of the ordinary and really have that trusted partner to say, hey, we've, we've had an incident, we've had a breach, what do we do? What are the next steps um, that we need to take? And some of it really is just making it, making cybersecurity accessible, um, whether that's the employee or the family themselves, making sure that there's clear instructions of best practices. How are you using uh, Wi-Fi? This still has the uh, factory setting of username, admin, password, password. Um, are, are you cautioning against using public uh, Wi-Fi that's open now, especially in, in New York City as restaurants are opening up and coffee houses are open? Are you leaving your laptop um, unattended to run to the, the restroom? Uh, really, just the practice of good hygiene and educating those to say it all starts with the user and how do we empower the user to be that first line of defense? So, Deborah, th those are great points. Are, are there, you, you mentioned a couple of things about you know the change of environment and you know this, the proverbial working from home. Are there some uh, particular things that family offices should be taking into consideration, given that working from home was probably going to be with us for a little bit longer, and <laughs> in some in some cases may become part of you know a weekly routine, maybe not a daily routine, but a weekly routine. Uh, when you are remote, what should what should family offices take into consideration? Yeah, so so the recommendation here really is is the same or relevant of size of the organization, and this is a really good opportunity for smaller offices to take a page out of um, the books of either more mature offices or or larger uh, organizations altogether. Um, and it's really about ensuring that there's no sensitive information being uh, saved to user local devices. Um, are the devices that teams are using to effectuate business for these offices um, procured by the company, who's got the right to um, manage that device, what kind of information can be saved where. Um, you know, this may be an, a good opportunity for smaller organizations to rely more on, on cloud infrastructure um, and to move away from self-hosting technology, um, transfer a little bit of the risk there. Uh, but it's really just about good hygiene and, and good hygiene is, is where it's at. And, truly does enable 
any organization, again, small, medium, or large, uh, to lessen the risk up front and truly be able to capture what's going on within their ecosystem. So it sounds like uh, some good prevention and the, the oh, good, yeah. good hygiene that you meant. Uh, are some uh, very good tips in there. So thanks uh, for that. The other finding I wanted to, to talk about with you today is under around underestimating of cyber. You know, one of the things that we had found in the survey was certainly that, you know, a newer family office or a family office that was on the smaller side of staffing uh, tended to underestimate uh, the likelihood of some of these cybersecurity uh, uh you know, vulnerabilities and attack potential for them. What, what do you think is behind that? And how have you seen that play out in your uh, particular practice? <laughs> I always I always love this question when it comes up. Um, it's not surprising that newer offices just don't have the maturity um, around cyber risk um, and risk in general and, and kind of giving it its its day. Um, and it kind of makes makes me think of, you know, when, when we were all younger and our, you know, our parents said, hey, don't do that. You're going to get burned or you're going to get hurt. We're like, no, we know better. We can do better. Um, and ultimately now as adults, we sit here and turn around and we tell our kids the same thing, right? Don't do that. Um, I know better than you. And it's part of maturing. It's part of an organization's growth, but it's, certainly not an area to skip out on. It's certainly not an area to take for granted whatsoever. The impact could ultimately be the same. You're dealing first and foremost with a disaster that, that may strike and, and what does it mean for an organization let's say to get hit by uh, ransomware and for, for you to be unable to get into your, your server files. Um, it could be reputational. Um, you don't wanna ever be an organization that's known for caving or, or paying a ransom or, or whatever the outcome might be there. Um, but it's certainly also an opportunity to reframe the way that we think about it. One of the suggestions that I'd like to impart is think about your own organization in the way that you'd be evaluating an investment opportunity. You go through all the due diligence, you turn over stones, you look under the hood, you're, you know, every analogy in the book we, we can really put in there, right? So you're making this investment and you really want to make sure that you're getting what you thought you're getting, that you're putting your money into a vehicle that is going to be beneficial for you. And we can look at, at, a, at a family office in the same way, right? So if you're going to invest in a company only to find out that the asset is not protected, um, that you know, everybody and, and, and their, their cousin might, might be able to get into this vehicle, you'd be less excited about it. You'd be less willing to say, yes, the, the investment's worthwhile. You know, there, there's going to be some sort of value-based ROI here. Um, but why not look at your company in the same way? Why not look at your own family office in the same way? Make that investment in yourself to, to continue to promote yourself in this space, to continue to promote your maturity, to open yourself up reputationally to bigger and better. Um, so it's certainly not an area where we ever suggest uh, sweeping under the carpet. It's not an area where if there's a budget cut to be made, we ever suggest this space to be because it's so foundational and it's so critical to every single aspect and component of success of a company. One aspect that often comes up with family office executives is spending money on defense. Mm -hmm. It can be a lot harder. And, and justifying um, with principals and, uh, and other members of the family office. Uh, what recommendations do you have there? Um, that's a really good question. Um, perhaps think of it the same way we think about you know, auto insurance. We, we, we pay a premium for auto insurance in the hopes that if something ever did happen, we'd be covered. We'd pay our $500, $1,000, $2,000 deductible, you know, but the, the 
$80,000 of damage is not the appetite that we have. And, and this is certainly similar. Um, we want to make sure that at the beginning, we're setting ourselves up so that if something did happen down the line, uh, we were covered. We were, we, were, we were not even in the aspect of having to deal with uh, the crisis of a, a ransomware or a phishing attack that was um, that hit hit, hit off as hard. You want to make sure that if there is that situation where um, the head of the family office was was spearfished and there was a, an email that may or may not have been legitimately sent from the head of office to the finance team that said, "Hey, disperse five hundred thousand dollars to so and so." Um, you know, per this email, you want to make sure that folks are able to recognize that, that there are the right controls in place to stop a transaction like that from being put through. And just being able to quantify that, that one $500,000 or that $100,000 email that's, that's, that's spoofed um, is enough to say, hey, let's make that $50,000 or $60,000 investment up front because we don't even want to get there. We don't want to get to the point of, of reputational harm. We don't want to get to the, to the point where there's some sort of financial impact to our office that would stop us from being able to continue doing good business. Thanks, Deborah. I, I think those are some great points. Um, and I really appreciate you, you joining me today. If yeah. you'd like to get in touch with... The, oh, great. I mean, if you'd like to get in touch with uh, Deborah or have any questions, do send us an email uh, to familyoffice at bostonprivate.com. I'd also recommend that you check out our website. Uh, you can find numerous resources, sign up for our family office newsletter, get this podcast and much, much more. Uh, that website is bostonprivate.com forward slash family office. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. That's it for today. Uh, check back for a new podcast next week. Bye, everybody. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.